Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Monique, and this is episode 87 of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Monique Koch, and what I like to do with this show is show veganism from a very practical perspective by bringing on guests to share their experiences, and I share my tips and strategies as well on how to start and keep going with a vegan lifestyle. Um, thank you so much for all of the feedback from the last episode. So many people resonated with um, the advice that Queenie gave in episode 86 and just her experiences, and I definitely want to do more episodes like that where I just have more open conversations with people. Thank you for having all of the feedback about the longer episode. I'm glad that you guys appreciate longer episodes and I definitely will bring more of that going forward. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to 2019 with this podcast and just really putting out content on a weekly basis, getting some help with the podcast as far as editing and things like that so that the quality can be a lot better. Um, I need to do some research, but I know it's about time for me to start updating some of my equipment and, and all of that other stuff so that the sound quality can be better. But thanks for hanging in there with me as I, <laughs> as I figure all of this out. I really appreciate it. So today on the show, I have Kimberly Barnes from mightbevegan.co. And I'm so glad to have her on the show. We actually met on Instagram, which is typically where I meet a lot of my guests for the podcast. We connected there and I just wanted her to come on the show to talk about food because that is something that she is passionate about. So I was like, Kimberly, come on the show. Let's talk about food. Let's talk about having a well-stocked pantry. Uh, vegan cheese. Let's talk about meal planning, why she identifies as plant-based opposed to vegan. It's her easy meal planning and meal prep tips. I just wanted her to talk about food because I know that's what she loves. And so that's what we did on this episode. My favorite part is how she made me feel a lot more confident about jackfruit. I feel like I'm the only one on the planet who does not get the hype with jackfruit. But after having this conversation with Kimberly, I feel like, okay, let me go ahead and try again and just be more patient with the cooking process with jackfruit. There's definitely a lot more patience that would (laughs) require with this dish than some of the other things that I like to cook. So I I feel more confident about stocking up on some jackfruit and trying again with it because I think that it, once it once it's done right, I feel like it is something that is amazing that you can do as far as making like a vegan version of pulled pork or just using it for like a taco filling. There's so many things you can do with jackfruit that I see online as far as recipes. But um, like I said, after all these years, I'm just still trying to get better at liking it and caring about it because for the longest time I was like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> it's not good. So yeah, you can get all of the show notes and resources that we mentioned in this episode at brownvegan.com under episode 87. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into why Kimberly decided to start her journey. I I transitioned to plant-based about a year ago, and I made that decision, honestly, for my health I wasn't necessarily sick or ill. There's really nothing happening. But my family members were having issues. And I was looking at them like, well, 
we've been growing up eating the same thing. So I don't want to be next. I think that was kind of the beginning of it. But then there was also this thing where I had this moment with a chicken, which was kind of funny. Um, I was preparing a hen just like on a random whenever day. And I looked at the bird because I could see the arms and I could see the legs. And I just like my heart broke a little bit because I was like, I'm sorry, because I felt like I had killed it. Like, and that was the first time that I had that moment where it really just came together for me that eating meat meant that I was killing animals. And then I, I realized that it didn't have to be that way. And so that's kind of the the short version of, of why I transitioned. A lot of us, we're so conditioned to believe, okay, it's not, it's food, animals are here for us, and that's the only reason they're supposed to be here. And that's why I think there's such a huge disconnect. For instance, we don't say, oh, I'm going to eat cow tonight. We're saying, oh, we're going to eat a hamburger, we're going to eat beef. We give it all these other names. Right, and so the right. fact that you were able to make that connection in adulthood, because I feel like kids make that connection a lot, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Is it just me or do we feel like adults make that connection? We don't really do that. I don't I don't think so. You know, I my little cousins, we were having a conversation about food the other day. And, you know, I was saying to them, you know, I don't eat animals. And they were like, well, we don't eat animals. I was like, yeah, you do actually eat animals. What do you think this is? They were like, oh, no, like, yeah. and it like was a, an awakening for them. Now, did they stop eating meat? No, because, you know, the the nomenclature that we use allows us to remove the the realness from the animals. Yes. We we don't personify them anymore. They become objects instead of beings, um, you know, and, and I can't say that I'm like this you know, big PETA person and I'm going to stand out, you know, with like a cube of truth and do all that stuff. Like that's just not where my advocacy lies as far as like the things that I do regularly. But mm -hmm. I do recognize that there is a large impact of um, the production of meat on our environment, um, on our health. And I think big picture, we've got to make a change globally, not just for the animal lovers, but for everybody that's here. Absolutely. Another thing I like too about how what you're saying is the fact that you started for health reasons and then you kind of, you know, went on the other side as far as the environmental, the ethical reasons. I feel like it yeah. happens a lot that we become vegan for one reason and then we start to make some shifts based on the more information we have about this lifestyle. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's with, with everything. You know, when you it's no different when you start a a new diet that maybe maybe you're going paleo or maybe you're doing keto or maybe I mean, when I think about, you know, the types of foods that I ate when I grew up, um, you know, my family was eating chitlins and ribs and ham. You know, that was normal. Thanksgiving was like we had like seven or eight different meats on the table. That was normal. But then I discovered, wait, hold on, pork, we shouldn't eat that because, you know, pigs don't have detoxification systems. So all the toxins that they eat stay in their bodies. And so when, when they eat, so when we eat them, we eat the toxins. So I think it's progressive, you know, with any sort of decision that you make and any sort of information that you take on, it's always progressive. You're always learning something new if you're open to it. You know, I think some people, because we were talking about like adulthoods and, um, you know, being an adult and how, um, you know, we don't necessarily think about meat a certain way as the way that kids did, that kids do. But I think for us, you know, if we're open minded, if we're a learning people, a progressive people, then we'll always be open to new information and becoming better. I mean, it's, it, I think everybody should, should be evolving. Nobody should be the same person that they were 
30 years ago or 10 years ago or even five years ago. You know, if if so, then you're dying. You know what I mean? Mentally. I know that you like to identify as plant based instead of vegan. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about why. What why is why do you feel that that's a better title for yourself? And do you even feel like people should have titles? I mean, you know, I think we live in a world where everybody likes to label things because they they it's how we associate people. It's how we recognize the world. You know, when we're when we're children, we learn colors because we see similarities. And so we put things in boxes. Okay, that's orange, you know, or that's boy or that's girl. But I think we've seen in the last several years that people don't like boxes and then they don't like labels. One of those reasons is because people are often fluid in what they identify as. So, you know, and and this isn't necessarily just like a, you know, a gay straight conversation, but even just, you know, when it comes to like, I'm a marketer, but I'm not only a marketer, I'm also a chef, but I'm not just a chef. I'm also, you know what I'm saying? So there's so many layers to who we are and so many layers to um, what it means to be us. We're not like, we're not, you can't put us in, you can't put an individual in a box and say that's all of what he or she is. And so for me, when I say the word plant-based, you know, the base of my life is that I eat plants. That's what my diet looks like. But I don't necessarily go around taunting that to say, oh, this is who I am and that's all of who I am because it's not. And the reason that I say plant-based versus vegan is because I know people have visceral reactions to the word vegan. Yeah. It's like, oh no, you're about to tell me like what I should and shouldn't eat. I was like, honey, that's not my job, right? My job is not to tell you what to do, just like it's not your job to tell me what to do. Now, if I happen to share something that you find inspirational or informational, and you decide to apply that to your life, then amen. But I'm not here to judge you and vi- and the same way vice versa. So um, I-, I like to stay away from that word for that reason. And it's also why I use the word might be vegan as my handle, because I wanted to be able to give people a safe space where they knew that they could, they were not going to be judged for trying to do better. Yeah. Um, because I see so many times where people are like, oh, you're, you said you were vegan, but now you're doing this. It's like not near one of us, if I can use that, that country slang, if there's not near one of us <laughs> who is out here doing all things 100%. Because the th- when you think about it, nobody says, oh, you're not a gym buff because you don't go to the gym every single day. It's like, well, I went twice. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, think, I, I mean, you judging me because I went twice. Like, OK, I can't I can't just be somewhat that. Like, why is there why do we not have permission to live on a continuum of what of what a label is? Maybe I'm not 100 percent, but daggone it, I'm, I'm 80 and it's like, I did not join a new religion, like calm down. But on top of that, I think it's a little bit more reflective of why I decided to be to be plant-based slash vegan and then how I eat. Because I tend to do less on processed foods and a lot more on whole and plant-based foods. So I think it's a little bit more reflective. So it's, it's a two-edged thing. So um, since it's been about a year for you, what are some of the things that uh, I guess let's start with some of the things that you were a little nervous about when you started your journey? And then Mm -hmm. I want to get into some of the things you didn't expect to happen. So, Yeah. yeah, what made you nervous in the beginning? Um, what made me nervous is not knowing what to do with my food anymore because getting started, it was like everything that I did revolved around the meat that I was going to do and everything else was a side. 
So I always love cooking. Like I've always been a home chef. I've always been that person that friends call when they want to have a nice little get together and they need somebody to get some food together. They're not going to order out. They're not going to get Panera. They're going to call Walmart. They're going to call whoever. They're going to call Kim to say, can you come and cook at my house? So that's what my friends did. But we always had meat as a center. And so I was at a loss. Like, I don't know what to do. Now, obviously, there are a ton of recipes on the Internet, but I didn't know where to start. And so that made me nervous. Like, can I actually do this? Yes. Um, So trying to figure out recipes because, girl, I was not going to eat salads for the rest of my life. That's just not (laughs) that was not going to happen because I didn't. I mean, I was not keen on those hashtags, what vegans eat and, you know, my food for the day, you know, whatever they, I wasn't keen on that stuff because I was just getting started and I didn't have vegan friends that were eating things that I thought looked interesting. Like, I mean, a good food picture can entice you, but if your stuff looked nasty, I don't care if it tastes good, it just looked nasty. (laughs) So I wasn't really up on all that. I was like, I don't know about this stuff. And everybody eating soups all the time. I'm like, girl, it's hot. I live in Atlanta. I can't be eating, I can't be sweating for lunch, like that's not the answer. So I think that's one thing. The other thing is, I didn't know if I was gonna be able to give up cheese because I liked it so much. And fake cheeses just didn't entice me. You know, so just did you, the- what did you do? Did you end up replacing it with something? Did you find something no, that you no, liked or just got rid of it completely? No, I just kept eating it for a little while, to be honest, you know? And it took a while. It actually took like a really strong moment for me to be like, okay, no, I'm done. So I was craving pizza, I ordered pizza, Oh, I ate an entire pizza by myself. Wow. Um, it's a large pizza. It was a thin crust pizza. You okay, know, so okay. It wasn't like a big thick one. It was a thin crust. So, but I ate the whole thing. And this was about lunchtime, maybe like 2.30-ish. Girl, by 3.15, I was knocked out. I could not, and I could not wake up. Like, and it was the middle of the day. I was like, I can't move. I stayed asleep until 8. And then I got up like, what just happened to me? I went on the internet and was like milk, sleep, cheese, sleep. Like I was trying to figure out what was going on. And then it hit me like when we want babies to go to sleep, we give them milk. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I had eaten so much cheese that I had enough of that. The, the enzyme that's in turkey that gives you that that after Thanksgiving coma, I had eaten enough of that that it put me to sleep. And I'm like, no. I said, that can never happen again, <laughs> ever. I wasted an entire day. I had work to do. I worked from home. So I had stuff I had to do. I missed everything because of that cheese. Last time I had cheese. Because of just how it negatively impacted my body. I mean, I know the associations of, you know, uh, dairy and skin and you know, just mucus in your body and all that kind of stuff. So I understand those associations. But I mean, I just like pizza with cheese on it. And I don't like bad cheese. I had tasted Daya before. I'm like, this tastes like carrot. They taste like bad carrots. Like I'm oh, not putting that on anything. See, and that's the thing that annoys me though, because I feel like the really good cheese that's out there, that's very comparable. I mean, it's not exactly like conventional cheese, but it's very close I feel mm-hmm. like they're expensive and it's not as accessible as something like a, right. a day a diet because um, right. that was my first introduction to vegan cheese. And this was back in 2010. So it's way better than it used to be. I will say Ooh. that. But I was just like, uh, I see why people don't do this because this is not good. No. <laughs> so I get it. No. I get it. Yeah. So and, and I mean, I'm experimenting. I'm figuring things out. So I see like three brands. So I get the one that's most recognizable that I've heard the most about. And it's disgusting. And so now I'm 
low key, like, well, maybe I'm just not going to have cheese ever. We just going to have to settle on that. I will say that I tried a new recipe and I found ricotta by Kite Hill. And I was impressed. Now, it didn't taste exactly like it. It had a little bit more of like a lemony taste to it, like just a little bit of citrusy. But the texture was on point. The flavor was good. It worked in the recipe that I had because that actually had lemon in it. So I never had to actually add lemon to that recipe anymore because the cheese had sort of a lemony taste to it. And then I couldn't find it in stores after I bought it like five times in a row. It's like $7 for a small case. It was expensive as heck. But then I can no longer find it. Mm. And I was like, you know, this is this is unfair. Um, I've heard some good things about some other brands, but I just don't always see them where I go grocery shopping. So I tend just to not have it in general. So, yeah. And, and ugh, I just last week literally just happened to me when it comes to cheese. I like the Miyoko brand. And mm-hmm. she makes uh, mozzarella, fr- like a fresh mozzarella type cheese. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to have it. So I had this taste for some mozzarella sticks. And I said, okay, let me go get, you know, my panko. Let me get everything and make a batter out of this. Fry some, you know, mozzarella sticks. Yeah. I get to the store, Kimberly, and it's seven ninety nine, And it's this little, it's, I swear it's like three ounces. It's so tiny. It was a yeah. little bit. And, yeah. you know, I needed probably about four of those packs to make it for my family just for us to have, like, you know, a few uh, mozzarella sticks a piece and I was just like oh, uh, I guess I, I just won't be eating mozzarella sticks because <laughs> I'm not paying that yes that brand is really good though it's a really good I, brand yeah I've heard of that brand I want to try it but the same the same thing with Kite Hill like I needed to they have a cream cheese that I like mm-hmm. um and so I've used their cream cheese like in different things when I want to make it like thicker or give it like a cheesy flavor like if it's a um like I use their their plain cream cheese in um, polenta to make it really creamy and cheesy, like cheesy grits. So I love that. But I bought four, spent $25 on four little things of cream cheese like this. But but what's crazy is like the rest of my grocery bill was only $40. I spent on everything else. I spent twice as much as I did on the cheese on everything else. All of my produce, all of the, everything that I have in my pantry for the week, I spent $40 and spent 25 on cheese. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds real. That's, that's real. And I think that's why people think veganism is so expensive because of like the specialty ingredients are what's expensive. Yeah. And I just can't wait till these things become more accessible. So the pro- the cost can come down more people buying it and more available then the cost will go down. I'm just like, please hurry up. Everybody get on it. The reason that I don't think people are buying it is because it's seven so expensive. Exactly. Yeah. You're right. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think that's why I love making and creating recipes so often is because sometimes I'm going after a flavor that I know people will recognize. But other times I'm trying to create something completely new. So it's like I've never had this before. Let me try it. Oh, my God, I love it. But this isn't a thing that you can say, oh, this is vegan mac this is vegan sloppy joe this is vegan lasagna like this is a whole different thing that you've never had before and that you've never tasted Mm, that's a good way to look at it what happened as far as since you transitioned that you didn't expect to happen um anything different um well i mean i did not realize that going to the bathroom was going to get even easier um i never really had problems doing number two since i let go beef and pork and, you know, made sure that I stayed on top of drinking water. But it just got even easier um, now going to the bathroom. Oh, um, I also did not expect to become a morning person. 
Cause that, like that moment where I started waking up at like seven thirty, six fifteen, cause I, cause I work from home. I said this before, and so typically I don't wake up until like eight thirty, nine o'clock. That's normal. Now this has been my whole life because I've always had a tr- always had trouble getting up to go to school. Like every single day, I had trouble getting up to go to school. It didn't matter what time I went to bed. If I went to bed at eight, eight thirty, nine, ten, eleven, I'm gonna have a hard time getting up. Mm-hmm. Now my mom knows this about me. So one day I got up early. Me and my neighbor went for a walk. Got back home before I got in the shower. I called my mom. Now I did all of this before seven thirty. So I called her at like seven forty-five. First thing she thought was something was wrong. <laughs> I was like, "What's the <laughs> <an> emergency? <laughs> like, what's like, what's wrong? What's, you okay? You good?" I'm like, "Yeah, I was just calling you before I got in the shower." She was like, "You sure? You you okay? Why?" It's early. Why you, you you didn't go to bed last night? I'm like, no, I I'm up early. <laughs> so that that whole transition happened, in my my um, my sleep pattern changed, and that was definitely unexpected. That's a great thing, though. You're probably more productive now. I mean, you know, I was productive late at night anyway because uh-huh. I've always been a night owl. But now, girl, you can't get me up. After one, like I just can't handle it. Like I'm just, I'm, I am so gone. Like I can barely hold my head up. Usually, I'm going to bed like just before twelve, and then I'm up around, you know, between six thirty and seven thirty on a on a normal day. But six anything is like miraculous for me because that's just like who, <laughs> no what. I know that you've always enjoyed cooking, and you were cooking before going vegan. So how has your cooking changed? How do you, I know that of course, and that's the same thing I had to struggle with and you mentioned before, as far as the meat being the center of the meal, it was so hard for me to come up with meals for my family because I was just so used to, you know, steak or fish or chicken being the center and, and like the starch and the vegetable kind of be like in like the supporting cast. So I had a hard time transitioning because of that. So how has it changed for you as far as your cooking now that you eat plant-based? Man, I okay, I love food. I've always loved food. I am I have a really interesting way that I cook. I cook based on flavors that I taste in my brain um, or things that I've tasted before that I want to recreate. So like, um, for example, I went to um, True Food Kitchen. I'm not sure if they have that where you are. Yes, but absolutely I love, love it. it. Yeah, I do. Um, and I had an I wanted to do a version of their um, their Hasina tahini cauliflower. Now I have no idea what's in that mm-hmm. other than tahini and probably hasini. <laughs> that's all I know because that's what it said on the recipe, right? Um, or on the uh, the, the menu. menu, yeah. But trying to then reimagine what I tasted when I was sitting there um, and come up with what's going to be in it, and so it's kind of like it's art to be honest with you. Because that's the only way to explain how I'm able to just sit down and say, okay, I taste this and I taste that and itemize these um, elements and these spices so that I can put them into a dish and remake it. And that's exactly what happened today because I sat here and I recreated that taste. Now, I haven't had their this cauliflower in like four months. So we're talking about like a long time ago, I'm trying to remember what something tasted like. <laughs> And I think that's kind of how I've always approached food. Like I'll go to a restaurant and I'll taste something I really love. Or sometimes I'll wake up with an idea for, um, you know, something to cook. Uh, one day I had a um, an idea for something really interesting, but it actually was 
sparked because of something that I saw um, a non-vegan chef do. He had done like shrimp and grits, which, you know, a ton of people make shrimp and grits. But I'm like, I want to have shrimp and grits like but vegan shrimp and grits and not like fake meat shrimp and grits. I want to have like that flavor made with plants and grains and that sort of thing. So I went into the kitchen and made it like that's just what I decided to do. And being able to take like a mushroom and add spices and seasonings and broths and then making that taste like uh reminds you of a chicken type flavor or taking that same mushroom and adding different spices and making it taste like a steak or different spices and making it taste like hamburger like these are the the things that I like to do in the kitchen and it's an adventure of you know me smelling new things and trying new spices that I've never heard of before I mean and I've always had like a pretty decked out spice cabinet I mean, you know, people say, oh, I got, you know, Obey and I got (laughs) salt and pepper, onion powder, garlic powder, and I'm good. I'm like, no, I've always had at least 30 different spices in my cabinet. But now we're talking about like 50 and 60 because I've been exploring spices from different parts of the world and things like that. So I think for me now cooking is it's really the exact same thing that I've always done in the exact same way of imagining flavors and imagining tastes. And then having that artist moment, having that creative moment of how am I going to bring this together with the flavors that I already know? What things can I can I combine to create new spice flavors and new aromas and new um, put new things together? So, you know, I think it's it's exactly the same. It's just different ingredients. Yeah. Better ingredients for you. Right. Yeah, exactly. I I, I love how um, because I think that's a a part that people feel like they're going to miss out on when they first start their journey. It's kind of like they're going to miss out on some of that flavor, the texture, some of the sauces and being able to be creative in the kitchen takes time, but it's worth it, you know, to capture some of that. Yeah. So I believe that most of our nutrients should come from healthy foods like vegetables and fruit, nuts, grains, seeds, all of that good stuff, right? But sometimes we can get a little off track, especially when we're stressed and busy. We're not always eating the way we should. That's why I'm really excited to be working with Care Of for this episode of the podcast. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. So you go to their website and you do this fun online quiz. They ask you questions about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices. It takes less than five minutes. And then they customize your vitamins and supplements based on those answers. So of course, as a vegan, it told me that I needed to take vitamin B12, which was super handy because I always run out of B12. So I love that I can get my vitamin B12 delivered right to my door. I don't have to think about it. And it comes in like these personalized, easy to remember daily packets. I can just throw it in my bag and I can take it when I remember it because sometimes I'm out and I don't remember to take my vitamins when I wake up in the morning. Another cool feature is that the monthly subscription box can be modified at any time. And as a company who believes in making a difference, a portion of every sale goes to the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expecting mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. For 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter the promo code BROWNVEGAN. That's TakeCareOf.com, promo code BROWNVEGAN. 
speaking of like spices and like pantry and cabinets and all that kind of stuff, what are some of the, what is your idea of a well-stocked pantry? Because I think that that, in my opinion, it helps so much if your pantry, if you have some of the essentials, like to me, some essentials would be like having some rice and having uh, canned tomatoes and coconut milk and things like that mm-hmm. to always have on hand to make it easy for you to experiment and then just have, you know, just have some fun in the kitchen. So what are some of the essentials that you have to have in your pantry? So, I mean, I definitely agree, agree on the rice and the tomato sauces. Um, I also keep a good number of broths. I know I can make my own broth. I know I can make my own stock. But baby, I ain't got time I for all that. I ain't doing that. Yeah. When I see <laughs> that, I'll just be like, more power so, to you. <laughs> right. So I've got, um, I usually keep four bras in there. One is a vegetable broth. I usually keep a miso broth, a no chicken chicken broth, and a mushroom broth. So that'll pretty much get me anywhere I need to go when it comes to soups or flavoring Um you know, sort of stovetop recipes, those four I'm pretty good with. Um, I also keep a good number of vinegars um, because vinegars have very different, subtly different flavors um, that I use regularly. So I keep a rice wine vinegar, white vinegar, apple cider, and then a mirin, which is a sweet rice wine vinegar. So Mm -hmm. I usually keep those. Also, a good number of spices as well. So you already know I got a whole bunch, but there's <laughs> some that I use regularly that I have like big containers of. So ancho chili powder, I use that all the time. I also use smoked paprika all the time. Yes, I love it. And actually Spanish smoked paprika, which is even better than just like the McCormick smoke. So if you ever run across like a Spanish paprika, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Basil and oregano, always I keep that. Garlic and onion powder are staples. Some little fun ones that I play around with every so often. Um, fennel is really great. Dill, sage. I really like star anise. I use that sometimes with Asian dishes. Now, these aren't necessarily things that you have to have in your pantry, but I like to play around with them and I keep them. And they last a pretty good time, um, a good length of time. So um, cumin I is a fave. must have. That's a fave. Oh, my goodness. Yes. yes. So got to have cumin. And and I've, you know, over time, I've learned that cumin isn't just for tacos. <laughs> for, you know, I'm like, well, I'm not doing nothing Mexican. I can't, you know, but I use um, I make my own curries now. So yes. um, I use it in curry sauces and things like that. Coriander is good. It's it's close to the cumin, but it's definitely its own flavor. So I have that. Um, so those are sort of some, uh, sort of some basics. The vinegars, flowers, I think are good to keep on hand. Mm-hmm. I always keep, um, in addition to the rice, I keep a polenta because sometimes I want. I love doing like a polenta with in like a tomato soup. Like that sounds crazy. Um, my cousins are from like South Carolina. Their father's from South Carolina, actually. And so they would always put like ketchup in their grits all the time. And I'm like, that's just the most disgusting Ew. thing I've heard. Oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was at a restaurant um, some years ago and they actually served, they had polenta um, in the bottom of a um, tomato soup bowl. And I called my cousin immediately, immediately and I said, for the first time ever, I get ketchup and grits because that mix of polenta, very creamy, even cheesy, if you will, uh, with tomato soup is a very quick and filling lunch or dinner. But that's completely different than ketchup, though. See, it made, when you said tomato soup, that made sense, but not ketchup. <laughs> it's completely different. It's, it's different, but I but I could understand it then. I still I don't get it. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, thank you. Um, spelt flour is good to keep around. Um, depending on if you're, you're planning to bake or, you know, that sort of thing, I like to keep a, a good number of flours. Um, garbanzo bean flour sometimes. If you use all-purpose, keeping that around, that's helpful. And I also keep things in the freezer. So I always recommend that people have what I call break this in case of an emergency type thing, especially when you're transitioning. Because I don't eat a ton of like pre-made alternative meats or mock meats and that sort of thing. But I do keep them in my freezer just in case I hit the moment where I'm like, I am so hungry. I don't want to cook. And you know that the easy answer is to go to somewhere and eat fast food or eat something that has me in it. You can go to your freezer, throw it in the um, the oven on 400, 450, whatever the, uh, the bag calls for, and then you got something quick that's like your fast food. Mm-hmm. So I always recommend that, especially for people who are transitioning, have those quick things that you can pop in the microwave or soups that you've kept, that you've made and that you've frozen, um, stuff that you can get access to quickly so that you make better decisions. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of your favorite dishes then outside of um, the shrimp and grits and the tomato soup <laughs> with the polenta? Oh, what are some gosh. other things? Because before we get in, because I want to talk about that. And then I want to talk about meal planning. Like what are some of the tips that you suggest for people, you know, to get their meal plan together? But yeah, start with some of your favorite dishes. Some of my favorite dishes. It's so hard because my favorite dish is always the next dish. Creative <laughs> process, you know? So um, some dishes that I've had that I love, um, there's a soba noodle bowl that I do that's really, really good. It's got like maybe seven ingredients. And seven ingredients is kind of low-key easy for me because one thing that I will say, because um, I know we're going to talk about the meal plan soon, is that a lot of people are interested in, you know, I need a meal. I need something that's got like five ingredients. Well, boo, I'm not the person for you because I'm going after flavor. And salt and pepper by themselves, that's two ingredients already. So then we ain't got but three left. I mean, <laughs> people. some people count that. And I'm just like, I uh, I need a little bit more than that. But typically you're going to see things like um, maybe it's two different types of peppers or three different types of peppers, like red, green, yellow. Um, so, I, so maybe that's like one instead of three. But anyway, favorite dishes. Um, so the soba noodle bowl, that has a few ingredients in it, maybe like five or six. I love my um, Thai pineapple bowl with cashews. That's like one of my favorites. Um, I had a couple people try that um, who've had similar things before. And it's always so interesting when they get feedback because they're like, you know, I've had this kind of thing before and I've made it at home, but like following your directions really turned up the flavor. And I think that's really what I'm good at being able to like turn up the flavor in something and really give your palate an experience that's not just your standard, like we talked about before, the obey, the salt and pepper, the garlic powder, the onion powder, um, really taking an adventure and um, creating new flavor pro- profiles that you enjoy. So what's in that bowl? Oh, man. Um, so there's a couple of different bell peppers, um, zucchinis, uh, some onions, uh, rice. I make a Chinese five spice. So I show you how to make a Chinese five spice instead of actually just buying it off the shelf. Um, I try to keep just like standard um, non-mixed spices in the cabinet and then teach people how to make those spices. So, for example, instead of buying a mesquite seasoning, let me show you the seven spices that go in it. Right. So then you can make it yourself. It's kind of like the taco seasoning. Instead of buying a packet, this is how you can make it. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. Because then what happens is instead of like having one thing of taco seasoning, you can just make what you need and then you know how to do it for next time. And so then you can keep stocked in your pantry, the the standard spices. And then you can be like, you know, make, uh, then you can make your own curry. You can make your own taco seasoning. You can make your own whatever you need. Even barbecue sauce. Like I make my own barbecue sauce um, in a few recipes and it's not hard. It's now it has like eight spices in it. But, you know, you can still make it yourself. Or if you don't want to make it, you can still buy it. But um, I think that brings me to another one of my favorite. And this took me a while to get this right because I messed it up three times. Like, no joke. Oh, what is um, it? Uh, barbecue jackfruit. Because. Oh, God. I- <laughs> Sorry. I, I just don't. do. I, I just don't get the hype at all. I've made jackfruit. <laughs> Like eight to ten times, I'm tired of wasting money on it, playing games. I just don't like it. It just reminds me, I like artichokes, but artichokes are way easier than playing games with this jackfruit. I don't have the patience, so you have to spill the tea on that. You have to tell us what you do because I have to tell you, yeah, because it's not. Cause it's not, it's not, it's not as simple as let me put this on a pot, add these spices and boil it. Cause for me, it tastes like vinegary artichokes. I don't like yes. that. So this, the way that I prepare it is actually it's cooked twice. So I cook the heck out of it because it's got to first get the flavor but then it has to roast because that's what gives it the texture of meat, mm-hmm. not boiling it, not doing it stovetop. The roasting it and allowing it to dry out completely t- changes the texture completely. That's when I was like, now this tastes like and feels like pulled pork and I don't feel like I'm eating vinegary artichokes. Okay, let's walk us through it. So what does this process look like? Okay, so the way that I started is in a pot like a I use a I have a cast iron a coated cast iron pan that I use on the on the stove and I start with broth water the jackfruit garlic sriracha liquid smoke and my mesquite seasoning so we talked about that a little bit earlier and then I also have caramelized onions so you make the onions before and then just add it to the same cast iron correct okay correct So I cook all of that and it simmers on low for a while so that that mesquite flavor can kind of infiltrate, if you will, the jackfruit. Then I mash it. I take um, so it starts to look like pork and or pulled chicken. So then I mash it. Now, the thing was interesting about jackfruit, especially when you buy it in the can, is that it has these little like um, because it's the young jackfruit. It has these little bulbs in it that look like seeds. Yes. So I play around with those. Sometimes I take them out. Sometimes I try to get them mashed, but sometimes they just end up in the trash, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, the mesquite seasoning, it's got paprika, garlic powder, onion powder, ground mustard, cumin, sage, ancho chili powder, black pepper, and rosemary. So those are the eight or nine, ten spices that go into the jackfruit. Once that's done, after I've smashed it, Then I'm taking it on a baking sheet, I'm spreading it out, and then I'm baking it on 350 for an hour. When it comes out, then I take those that same mesquite spice and I turn that into a barbecue sauce. Then when I fold it in and then when you eat it, then you're like, now this tastes like meat. But it takes the smoke flavor, it takes the sriracha, the heat from the sriracha, it takes that boiling process. Um, I don't even know if it's got any more nutritional value by the time you cook it down this much. <laughs> At this point, it's all about flavor and texture. Though, so we're going to just go with that. <laughs> Look, you better add some lettuce and tomato or something to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> the sandwich. So by, this point, 
Yeah, so by this point, that's pretty much all you got to work with um, when it comes to the jackfruit. But yeah, it's definitely destroyed, you know, the, the the texture by this point because it starts to dry out because you're cooking it so low uh-huh. and it's already done. It begins to, I don't want to say harden, but you know how like with pulled pork, you may get some ends that are a little more firm than others. Um, so it's kind of like that. Um, and is it covered while it's in the oven? Or no, is it not. Okay, I didn't think so. So where can we find this recipe? This recipe and a whole bunch of others are in my meal planning um, weekly email. Um, So I send them out every single week of things that I'm eating. So um, say like this, what we're we're recording in the middle of the week. Um, So the very beginning of the week, I actually go into the kitchen, prepare all of my stuff for the week. And then I take those recipes and I give them to um, my subscribers for the following week. I'm actually making what I'm eating. So I'm not pulling recipes from other people because I know a a lot of companies or a lot of um, meal planners take recipes from other people and just recycle them. I don't feel like that that's a fair service because if you're going to give me something that is already on the internet, then I feel like I just wasted my money because I could have just got it from the internet. So all of the recipes are original or they are recreations of things that I've tasted at restaurants. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like somewhat original. And I did kind of steal their idea, but they didn't give me the recipe. I made it up. When people join, they have to join your list in order to get that. Make sure you send me over a link so that people can sign up for it. Send me sure. over a link for that. But okay, speaking of the meal planning and everything, what is your process behind coming up with your own meals for the week? What do you, I know, I know that a lot of it is just things that you said, like you said, restaurants and things that you've already tried and you're just recreating them. Anything mm-hmm. else, any tips that you suggest for other people who are just getting started and they want to make sure that they're, you know, planning their meals? Because if you don't plan your meals, especially in the beginning, it's very easy not to stay on track. Oh, for sure. Well, a couple of things that I recommend is is taking note of like your top five favorite dishes that you've had that have meat in them and then go on the Internet and then put vegan beside it. So if you really like um, uh, chicken parmesan, look up vegan chicken parmesan and that'll help you with your transition and finding things that you know that you'll like. From there, you can um, do things like subscribing to my meal plan so that you're getting regular uh, recipes that are new and fresh. And this is especially like for foodies, like most of the people that are subscribed to me either don't prefer to cook like they need some hand holding. Um, they're new to being plant based, um, a.k.a. vegan or they just really love my food. You know, it's one of those three or a combination of all of them. And so when it comes to meal prepping, uh, typically what I like to do, it doesn't always work this way because I tend like things can be really busy for me. Um, I really like to cut all of my all of my vegetables on one day and then put everything in the fridge. The reason that that works is because when I'm ready to cook, I take out just the things that I need and I throw them in because you wouldn't you wouldn't realize you don't realize how much time cutting things up takes. And it's sort of like the what you get when you order those box meals, because when those box meals, they basically send you stuff that's already cut. So you feel like, oh, my gosh, I have a 10 minute meal. And it's not really a 10 minute meal because somebody else has cut that stuff for you. So if you just pick one day out of the week and you already know your meal plan, you just set aside, you cut up your stuff, um, put it in little Tupperware pieces, even, you know, prepare your snacks for that week. Maybe you want to have like celery, apples, raisins, and peanut butter. You can stick all of that in there, get your snacks ready. Um, and if you do sort of like the pre-made breakfast, if you like those, um, those, uh, oatmeal jar sort of things, you want to make those, it's a good time to do that as well. 
then I do cook actually every day or every other day. So I'll take um, the ingredients that I've already prepared in the fridge and then I'll throw them in, make something quick. Then my food is hot and fresh as opposed to leftover from like the day before. Um, that's my preference. Now I know some people are cool with leftovers. Um, like I have one best friend who will not ever eat a leftover. Like we go to a restaurant, spend a hundred dollars. It don't matter. We're not taking it to go. Like cause we're not <laughs> eating, you know, but for me, like, I'm like, if, yeah, if it's good, I'll eat it the next day. But I prefer when it comes to like fruits and um, my fruits, my vegetables and produce with what I'm doing. I like it. I like it fresh and hot. And I think that's a good way to, to accomplish that for meal prepping. Yes. Um, one thing to note is that not everything refrigerates well or and specifically freezes well. Um, because I know some people are like, well, I'll just prepare everything and then put it in the freezer. So I've worked with some um, in-home meal prep clients. And sometimes the things that they ask for, I'll say, this is really great. But this is the type of meal that you have to eat now. It does not work well three days later because the texture changes or, you know, it sits and then um, the the flavor profile changes mm-hmm. or it doesn't freeze well because you've got bread here. Maybe it's a sandwich. You can't freeze like this sandwich has to be made immediately and then you eat it immediately. I know you love the sandwich, but I can't be here every day making <laughs> a sandwich, you know, so it's, true. Yeah. Um, so it's like when it's like a panini or something like that or whatever you decide to do, that's why having everything cut up is so useful because then it's, it's a panini. You take out your tomato, your lettuce, your, your spinach, your onion, whatever you put in it, your avocado, then you press it. And then you've got a five minute, 10 minute meal as opposed to trying to freeze everything or refrigerate everything because it just doesn't always work that way. Yes. Yeah, so true. Well, first of all, I feel like I will say this, that you have inspired me to try jackfruit again, <laughs> jackfruit, because I had given up. All of your tips as far as like meal prepping, uh, meal planning, well-stocked pantry, all of that has been super helpful. So I'm glad that you shared all of that. And tell us before we wrap up how we can not only learn more about your meal plans, but I know you have a new book coming out, which is so exciting. Yes. Tell us about that and how we can follow you on social media. Yeah. So, you know, in my regular life, when I'm not cooking, um, I'm a storyteller. So I've been in marketing for almost 15 years, maybe a little bit more. And um, people always people hire me to tell their stories, whether it is written in video, that sort of thing. And now I'm actually telling my own story, at least one of them. And that is my my journey of my transition and then helping people to not run into the issues that I ran into. But then also taking a collection of um, speed bumps that other transitioned vegans have run into and taking all that information plus some really cool things and putting that into um, a seven day challenge, if you will. So the book has um, some really fun things in it. So in addition to helping you identify like why you're doing what you're doing um, and sort of figuring out what you're going to need in your pantry and walking you through how to stock up your pantry, the things that you're going to need. Um, it also has some um, what I call a, a nutrition calculator, um, because a lot of people ask questions. Are you going to get enough protein? Yes, you can get enough protein. How much do you weigh? So everybody needs a different amount of protein, depending on um, how much they weigh and whether or not they are working out. And so um, and then there are other numbers that change based on whether or not you are pregnant or whether or not 
um, you are male or female. And so I have this nice little calculator that you'll get that's included that you put your weight in and it'll tell you how and where you can get these sources of omega-3 and protein and calcium and that sort of thing, the things that people question when they transition. Um, it also talks about supplements and things and conversations that you should have with your doctor because I recommend that everyone should transition with their doctor, especially if you have any known or chronic illnesses or are taking medications because um, uh, major changes in your diet can negatively affect your body if you um, are taking certain medications or you're um, uh, uh, living with certain illnesses. So um, I think that's really important. I even have like a very detailed checklist about things that you should ask your doctor for um, when you're doing a physical. That's really important. I know some people don't really do doctors. Um, I think that's I think going to the doctor for a physical in particular is important because there's no way that you can improve your health if you don't actually know where you stand. So if you identify that you have high blood pressure, okay, it's not the end of the world. Sure, the doctor might want to give you some uh, medication, but I would say ask them how what sort of things can I do with my diet to also help with this as well. So things like that, make sure that you're having a conversation. And we also know that being plant based can actually um, help reverse Um, hypertension, heart disease, uh, um, diabetes, and so on. So there's certain things that can be addressed with diet. And so this is a great opportunity to at least know so that you can move forward. Now, the seven-day challenge piece actually includes recipes, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for seven days, and your grocery list. And so that's also included as well. Um, Now, how do you find the book? So you'll go to my website, mightbevegan.co. There is no M. People always want to throw an M in there. Even though I say .co, I know what I'm saying. So mybevegan.co, that's my website. You can get the book there. It's only $11, and it also includes all those recipes. Now, if you decide that you want to stick with me and you like the food that you've tasted, then you can add on, at the end of it, a discounted subscription to my meal planning service, which um, regular price is just $25 a month. And so I send out weekly recipes with the grocery list of um, for what you're cooking for the week. And I've got some really fun features that are um, active um, right now, which is one, an integration with Alexa, the Alexa app, so that when you, and I know she's, Alexa's about to talk to me right now because I don't call her name. <laughs> So, she's like, girl, what you want? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what you say? Um, but in that app, you can actually enable a skill to access recipes at any time and even while you're cooking so that you can have a paste um, uh, delivery of the next instruction while you're cooking. So that's oh, a really fun thing that that's is dope. Yeah. Uh, coming out now. So that's kind of all the little, some of the little technical things. And, um, you know, there's so much more that I can say about the subscription. You know, we have a lot of brand partnerships. We get, um, you probably get more free stuff in just like gifts from brands than you actually pay for the meals themselves. Um, but I love doing that. I love giving people access to try new products um, that brands partner with us to send out for free. So, so yeah, so that's kind of what it is. Um, and all of that can be accessed at mightbevegan.co. And on Instagram, I am mightbevegan, but I just don't have the E on the B. So it's might letter B vegan. Okay. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I'll be sh- Yes, I'll be sure to link all of your information at brownvegan.com under this blog post so that people can check it out there. I'm so glad you gave me some energy because remember I told you when we started, I was like... <laughs> 
girl, I'm dragging today. Yes. <laughs> so thanks for energizing me and sharing your expertise. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Monique, for having me. I hope this episode was helpful. Come over to my Instagram or Facebook page at Brown Vegan and let me know your thoughts. Also, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes to make it easy for other people to find us. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week.